With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Good Monday to you. Happy Memorial Day to you as well. It's Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio, live from the Geico Outkick Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Today, we celebrate and honor those who fought for our freedom. We celebrate and honor those who paid the ultimate price in the process. And largely, we're going to do it today. Fun in the sun, shared experiences, the cookouts, the relaxation, taking the day off from work, maybe going to a movie with the family, maybe going to a ball game. But we're going to escape. We're going to enjoy and we're going to revel in the free lives that we possess in the United States thanks to their sacrifices. And one of those escapes is sports. By the way, I'm Jason Martin, in for Clay Travis. He's back tomorrow. He's down in Florida enjoying the fun and the sun with his family here on this Memorial Day. I'm joined by a former NFL offensive lineman, Jeff Schwartz, who will be enjoying the remainder of the day with his family. And I'm sure the cookouts and the escapes will be in full effect for the Schwartz clan down in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can follow him, by the way, on Twitter at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. You can follow me at Jmart Outkick. But there's nothing better in that proverbial sports escape vacation land than a Game 7. Or how about two, plus the start of the Stanley Cup Finals. That sets the stage for what we have in store. We get to speak about an incredible performance last night amidst an otherwise not very good basketball game, amidst an otherwise not very good basketball series. And we get to preview... A second Game 7 tonight, which could be great. Again, not amidst great basketball, not amidst a great basketball series, but rife with drama, especially with the Chris Paul situation for the Houston Rockets as they have home court against the Golden State Warriors in Game 7. Plus, we've got Alexander Ovechkin finally reaching the Stanley Cup Final. 
as he will square off with the expansion first-year Vegas Golden Knights. But we must start, obviously, with LeBron James. Last night, the hyperbole was in full effect. Everyone seemingly falling over themselves to say this was the greatest achievement in LeBron James's career, taking this team to the NBA Finals. It's not... I don't know that it's the top because he hasn't won a championship, and I don't think he's going to win a championship this year. But he did just carry his worst roster to the NBA Finals. People are going to point out 2007. They're going to forget that the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers that had Eric Snow and a lot of other talented defensive players was a top five defensive unit in the NBA. They needed LeBron to score, and they couldn't score enough ultimately and were against a much better basketball team once they got to the NBA Finals. But that was a defensive gem of a basketball team. They were more in the mode of the old Pistons teams, not the 90s Pistons teams, but those Chauncey Billups, uh, Ben Wallace kind of Detroit Pistons teams. That's when Eastern basketball was much different, much more physically played. And that Cavs team was much better than this one. May not have had the offensive star power, But this Cleveland defensive unit is ranked 29th during the regular season, and we saw example after example last night of why that was and maybe why that was too high. The Celtics were flat-out atrocious from three. At the end of the game, at the end of the day, 7 for 39 from deep is just not going to get it done. And then on the other side, 9 for 35 from Cleveland, subsequently and also atrocious, But LeBron James was anything but. LeBron James played 48 minutes of a 48-minute basketball game. He shot 50% from the floor, took 24 shots, knocked down 12 of them, hit three threes, 8 of 11 from the free throw line, 15 boards, 9 assists. He entered the game averaging 34.9 points per game in elimination games in the playoffs in his career. And he... Eclipsed that by point one. He was right there on the line. It's the best of all time. It's better than Jordan. It's better than Wilt. It's better than anyone who's faced what he's faced in elimination games in terms of what he's been able to do on the offensive side of the floor. He was one assist away from yet another triple-double, not just in this postseason, but in the playoffs. He had the block that I think probably turned the game around on Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier goes down the lane, goes into the painted area, goes up for what looks like a layup, and I think all of us saw this coming before it happened. LeBron takes it, just swats it, gets a large part of his hand, which is part of the basketball. My argument was he also got a lot of the wrist, the forearm, and the body with the off arm. But look, you're not going to get that call often. LeBron James does it, then he stands there on that side of the floor during the next play and taunts, and I don't think the Celtics ever woke up from it. Jason Tatum showed up last night, but every time you looked up, Jalen Brown was missing a three, Terry Rozier was missing a three, Al Horford was missing a three, and the Celtics couldn't get it done. They were undefeated at home going into Game 7 last night. They had exactly what you wanted. Game 7 on your floor, especially with as dominant as you've been. You have won in that building over this Cleveland Cavaliers team and LeBron James by an average of 17 points. And you lose by 8. And sometimes you just have to take your hat off and look at greatness and say, you were better. 
it was a better player that beat a better team. And I think we'll spend a good part of today talking about the fact, as I bring Jeff Schwartz into the discussion, that I don't think we ever stop enough and look at the greatness that we have had a chance to see in our lifetimes. We've gotten to see all of LeBron James's career. We've gotten to see all of Tom Brady's career, all of Peyton Manning's career, all of Tiger Woods's career, all of Serena Williams' career, all of Michael Phelps's career, and at least at my age, all of Joe Montana's career, Dan Marino, most of his career. Like, everyone that lives can point to the athletes that they were able to see. And I forgot about Jordan, obviously, and Shaq, and Kobe, and any number of others. Jordan being the greatest in his sport. LeBron probably being the second greatest in that same sport. We have seen the best to ever do it in the most important sports in this country repeatedly during this generation. And as we live in a social media era where everyone tries to tear each other down and try to nitpick, I think it's instructive to stop today and just appreciate on this Memorial Day how blessed we are, not just to be able to live, but in a sports context, to be able to live through the careers of guys like LeBron James. Jeff, good morning. Good morning, and, and you got to live through my career as well. You just didn't know I existed until, until right. I got on the radio with you. Um, Very right. <laughs> um, so, look, I think I think your point is astute about about appreciating LeBron James, and I I know I'm I'm guilty of this. I think everyone is. We always try to compare him to Jordan, right? I mean, I even did it last night. I said I don't think I've seen a player of of any caliber uh, continually take teams like LeBron has. To to this to the brink of the finals, and this was obviously during the game last night, and then and then to get to the finals, um, and we're going to look back on LeBron and think to ourselves, "Wow, we did not appreciate greatness in the moment," because what he's doing right now is pretty remarkable. Thirty three years old, fifteenth year right now, played forty eight minutes, two games in a row, and not just forty eight minutes, but at the end of games, you mentioned the Rozier block, hustling down the court, not conceding a layup, getting up in the air trying to block the shot. Now, I think he hit the ball first, then his hand, so that's why I, I agree it's not a foul. Um, you know, being able to to fight through, what was that, Morris all draped all over his shoulders for an and one to basically put the game away, being able to to do these things every single night, knowing that, quite honestly, he's probably going to get blown out in the finals. I don't know, he, I, he doesn't think like that, but but that he's doing all this to get him his team to the point now in the finals. Look, anything can happen. We saw with Chris Paul getting hurt that – that might change the Rockets team. And I think the Rockets have a good chance to win tonight, even without Chris Paul. The Warriors, they're kind of all over the place. So you, you know, you never know when you get to the finals. But what what LeBron has done and what he continues to do is is so remarkable. I saw this last night that there are teenagers right now who you know who become NBA fans, and and, and the NBA is doing a great job of reeling in young fans. The NFL needs to get a lot better at this. But the, but the NBA, you know, their young fans have never known an NBA Finals without LeBron James. This is eighth straight NBA Finals, and that's pretty remarkable to think about. And and the, you know the different pieces he's had, whether it was the Heat or the Cavs or this Cavs team, being able to get back every single year, right? You know, Jordan did it three times. Had to take a break basically from from basketball. Come back, did it three more times. Um, it doesn't happen very often when you can make these runs continually into the NBA Finals. The toll it takes on your body, the toll it takes mentally to continue to to play at this level every single year, 
and we spend too much time, to your point, uh, arguing about LeBron's greatness instead of appreciating. I appreciate it in the, in the moment for what he you know for what he did. And you know, the game last night was interesting because I want to give LeBron all the credit. I, I'm a LeBron homer. Um, I make no mistake about that. I love rooting for him. I love. Um, you know, kind of getting on Twitter and riling it up with with Jordan fans. I love doing that. But you mentioned the Celtics. They they just missed open shots. I mean, they, they had open shots yes. all over the place. They're, they're at home. You know, you mentioned seven for thirty nine. You know, one of those threes was was in the last in the last couple seconds. It didn't even matter. I mean, they were six for. I, t- I tweet out a minute left. They were six for thirty five, shooting seventeen percent, and they were thirty five percent from the field. It wasn't like there were a lot of contested threes. And you you can say the same about the Cavs too. I mean, they weren't they weren't having a lot of contested threes either. And they just they played like a team that's young that really hasn't been there before, that kind of puckered up a little bit in the situation. Look, it's 20 it's 2018 and we had a game that was 87 to 79. Right? I mean, it's pretty remarkable that that we can see a, this type of game and you might call it a defensive struggle. I think it was more just offenses not playing very well and guys not shooting very well. I expected, by the way, this is what the Cavs, this is the team I expected the Cavs to be on the road last night. 87 points is kind of what I expected from them. I just expected Boston to play better. But look, they had one ten in a row at home. At some point, that was going to break. I believe it's now it's now uh, Game 7 NBA teams at home are now 104-27 and 27, uh, after this loss last night. So I, as much credit as I would love to give LeBron James, I, I will give it to him, Boston really did not rise up to the moment. And they'll learn from this. They're a young team. They'll, they'll get Hayward back next year and, and Irving. But they they blew this game at home. They had a chance to win this game on a Cavs team that really is LeBron. And, and luckily, Jeff Green showed up. Otherwise, no one else showed up. Uh, continually not shooting well on the road. Happened again last night. And the Celtics just did not rise up to the occasion and take advantage. You know, even after the Tatum dunk, I think we all thought, okay, this is the turning point in this game, and it just never happened. And, and credit the Cavs. They stayed close the entire game, gave themselves an opportunity uh, to, to play the way they did in the fourth quarter in the second half. You know, Boston 13 points in the third quarter, just like we saw the, 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 the Rockets inexplicably only scored 25 points in the second half of a basketball game um, the other night. But the Cavs did what they had to do early, which is keep the game close. I, I thought that that if they kept it close, you always have LeBron at the end to close it. It, it ended up happening. And so you know, congrats to the Cavs. Congrats to LeBron. I agree with you. Th- this is the best job he's done getting a team to the finals. He's going to lose. He's going to go three what three and six now in finals. People will hold it against him. Whatever. I don't care. Um, he's done a remarkable job this year. We should appreciate the player that he is, what he has done to get his Cavs team here, and hopefully he'll be a future Laker next year. To your point I, I about Jason Tatum. Tatum dunks on LeBron. What a great moment that was for him. And then he hit a three on the next possession. And the Celtics go up 72-71 with 6.04 left. And that's pretty much the last thing you remember that Boston did offensively in that game. It became all Cavs from that point on. A few things that jumped out just from a stat perspective, uh, according to uh, various places. LeBron James created 21 field goal attempts off his passes easily the most in the game created a game high 13 wide open field goal field goal attempts defended a game high 19 Celtics attempts Celtics were 6 of 19 when he was the primary defender over the last 20 seasons there have been 301 different instances in the regular season and playoffs of a starting backcourt in the NBA attempting at least 23s in a game only one of that 301 
had a worse combined three-point percentage than Rozier and Jalen Brown in Game 7 last night. Between Rozier, Brown, and Marcus Smart, who every time he was outside the arc and got the basketball, I cringed for every Celtics fan in the world. Rozier, Brown, and Smart went 3-for-26 from 3, 8-for-42 overall in the game. Just not going to get it done. And as you said, Jeff, and I agree, the defense was bad because they were so open for many of those shots. And Boston left Cleveland open as well, but they played a little bit better. Cleveland was just giving them the barn, and Boston couldn't hit the broad side of it with the basketball last night. There were more missed three. Like watching, I've kind of grown to feel this way in the wake of the Steph Curry era where everybody thinks they can shoot like Steph and Clay Thompson and just continue to do it even when they can't. We see it in the NCAA tournament. To me, it's wrecking basketball in some respects, but I've never despised the three-point the three point line until last night. Watching that made me want to erase it off the floor so that guys would actually start to try and get it into the paint. Al Horford was 4-for-4 four four inside the paint, only had six opportunities throughout the game. He also got two fouls against Cavaliers in those six opportunities down low. But we're seeing three ball after three ball after three ball, and not just threes, but open threes taken five seconds into a shot clock when nobody is in position to rebound. So it's either you're going to score or it's one and done for your team. And I know we've seen Rozier get hot, and Jalen Brown's been a really good offensive player. And at times, Marcus Smart has made shots. But we weren't moving the basketball around last night. We weren't looking for the extra pass too often. We were just chucking threes, even if they're open they weren't falling and it never stopped and it never seemed to me like Brad Stevens finally said hey let's run the offense here and not just take the first three let's take a break on the other side we will continue to break this down it's going to be our main topic obviously for the day we're going to continue to celebrate the greatness of LeBron James and how lucky we are to get to watch him play basketball for four or five more games this season I guess it could go six who knows we never know but we sure feel like we know. We'll also get you all set for Game 7 tonight between the Rockets and the Warriors. If you want to join us, you can. 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. What did you see last night? What did the Celtics do wrong? What did the Cavaliers, pardon me, what did LeBron James do right? That we will continue to discuss next. This is Outkick the Coverage. Happy Memorial Day, Fox Sports Radio. This made a whole lot of my mixtapes back in the day. Summertime, Will Smith. Maybe we need to go throwback again today on Memorial Day. Wherever you are, if you're up with us this early morning, happy Memorial Day to you. Hopefully you're going to be relaxing, or if you're working, we'll make it easier for you. Then you'll be able to relax. Jeff, what's on the docket today for you? Maybe I should have just asked what's going to be on the plate today for you. Well, that that depends um, on the weather here because I'm supposed to take my son to his first baseball game today. We have a All AAA right. team in town, the Charlotte Knights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the weather is kind of odd today. I mean, like it's the south. It's hot in the summer. There's there's thunderstorms. It actually is raining this morning, and the th- and the thunderstorms will come in later this afternoon. So I'm going to take him if obviously if there's a game, uh, if we see two innings, four innings because of the weather. Um, I, he's three and a half. I mean, he's almost four in July. I, I don't think that he's going to sit there 
much longer than maybe four or five innings. But we just started playing, you know, some t-ball at home. Um, you know, so he's getting into baseball. He we actually watched a little bit the other day to get ready for uh, for today. So that's what we'll do. We might come home and and have a, a, a grill out. Maybe, maybe not. We'll we'll see how it goes. And uh, that, I'm looking forward to doing that. So hopefully it doesn't rain too much this afternoon and we get to get in that baseball game. How old's your son? He'll be four in July. Okay. I'm trying to think. He, he might have made it to a baseball game before me if he makes it today. I'm not exactly sure when my first baseball game was. My dad was an umpire uh, for most of my young life. And so I learned sports primarily through scoring games in the press box of games that he umpired and then he also did some basketball refereeing so I learned basketball that way as well so uh baseball I miss baseball mattering more than it seems to right now I do feel like 162 games it's just entirely too many you just can't get behind anything that's happening but one thing you can get behind is LeBron James's performance last night goes for 35 six and two in his last eight game sevens or overall in Game 7, he's won his last six. He is just doing some incredible things on the basketball court. The block slash foul slash non-foul slash whatever you want to say on Terry Rozier was incredible. I still think it was a foul because he hit the wrist. I know the hand's part of the ball, but the wrist, the forearm, and the body are not. But, again, it's LeBron James in that situation. I didn't expect a foul to be called. I was surprised that it wasn't mentioned at all during any of the plethora of replays that we saw but look that didn't determine anything LeBron James was crushing it and the Celtics couldn't make open shots yet they just continued to take three after three after three let's bring in the guys out in LA we got Ryan in for Coop today uh who is taking Memorial Day off and we've got Danny G who is always a trooper spinning the dials radio style for us Danny you picked the Celtics in seven I had picked the Celtics we stuck with that prediction although I won't say that yesterday afternoon I felt (laughs) particularly good about it but look you bet against LeBron James at your own peril but the truth of the matter is the Celtics flat out missed far too many shots to beat anybody that's even half decent much less LeBron James yeah, you got to give LeBron his respect, his credit. And we have, as as much as radio hosts complain about LeBron and his personality, and I, I think that it's time for somebody new in the East. This is going to be the conversation, I, I think, for some of us. Are we excited for these NBA finals with LeBron playing again? Because his cast of characters around him are pretty boring. And so LeBron being there again, although – I love his game, and I like to watch him. I'm not that excited for the Cavs to be in the finals again. And I think, the obviously, the Celtics did blow this. They choked like choking dogs there at the end of the game. And I think what set LeBron off is after Tatum dunked on him. When Tatum posterized mm-hmm. him, not only he but Morris both got in LeBron's face. It was more surprising that Jason Tatum, who's kind of a quiet, humble kid, very much got in LeBron's face. Did you see yes. the reaction from LeBron? Yeah. He was like, I'm- are you kidding? This little punk is in my face? Yeah, I was surprised uh, because Tatum's been so classy yeah. that he actually went that, went that way. Then he hit a three on his next possession, but I was watching before the <laughs> opening tip. And I saw Tatum point to the sky, looked like he was thanking the Lord. So was Terry Rozier. I think Jalen Brown was as well. But I looked in their eyes, and they looked like guys that hadn't been there before. Now, Tatum then showed that he looked like he had been there many times before with the way he generally played throughout that game. But then they showed LeBron, 
And LeBron looks stoically like, yeah, I've been here. I've done this. I'm not concerned about this at all. Then he goes into the first quarter. He doesn't have an assist, which is one of the only times in his career he's gone through an entire first quarter without getting an assist. Only put his guys in position three times off of passes to make shots. So he was not as aggressive, at least trying to get other people involved, as we've seen. He still had a good point differential there in that first quarter, but I think we saw kind of, on Saturday and Sunday night, two very similar things between the teams that ultimately lost those games, which is the Rockets came close to blowing the Warriors out of their own gym, and the Celtics came close to blowing LeBron James and the Cavaliers out of Boston's gym. But by the time you got to halftime, how good did you feel about the Rockets' lead based on how they played in the back six minutes or so of that second quarter? Who had the momentum when they went to intermission? And I felt the same way about Boston. Boston had the lead last night when they went into intermission, but did you feel they had the momentum or do you feel like they had squandered what could have been and should have been a much larger lead, leading a good team like the Warriors, a battle-tested team like the Warriors, and a very battle-tested team like the Cavaliers with LeBron James thinking, okay, we're fine here. We've answered this. Now it's our turn to punch. And then they came out in the second half and were the better team, both Saturday night and Sunday night, sends the Cavaliers to the NBA Finals. And we'll see what it does for Golden State tonight. Jeff, I, that's that's how I saw it. I saw a Celtics team that could have blown them out, had the, were in position to do so, and could not do it in similar fashion to what Houston did on Saturday when they couldn't sustain the kind of basketball they were playing. Before I answer that, and before we get to that, Danny G, your point about watching the same matchup again in the finals, I'm kind of rooting for the Rockets tonight just because I want to see something Somebody different. Somebody new face. Yeah, I certainly agree with And that. I've seen... And, and and I like look I like the Warriors they're they're and we'll preview this game I think in a little bit they're yes. they've been really odd like I, I can't I can't put my finger on what's wrong what's quote unquote wrong with them but back to the game last night and back to the Rockets game uh, Rockets Warriors games in, in game six I said this earlier you know if, if the in a lot of the, in a lot of these games Eastern Conference Finals they've been over pretty early and the home team has gone a big. And that's it. I mean, the other night, I think when Game Six, um, Boston was up twenty-five twenty after the first quarter. Then and then Cleveland took over from there. And we saw in Game Six in in, in Oracle in Oakland, you know, thirty-nine twenty-two. So the Rockets were a big, and the Warriors fl- fl- uh, flipped the script and, and and took it off. But really, in the Eastern Conference Finals, who's ever come out hot, typically at home, has just won the game very easily. Ten points, twelve points, big blowout, obviously. And so when when Boston had that little mini run to end the first quarter, they went up twenty six to eighteen. I thought to myself, "Here we go again." But always in the back of my mind, I knew that if if the Cavs can keep this game close, that they have a chance because they have LeBron. And also, just confidence wise, obviously keeping the game close allows them to think they can win the basketball game. If they get down twenty twenty two points, I'm not sure that that team is constructed, especially on the road, has a capability to to come back. And Boston, to your point, did not take advantage. Of that of that first quarter run to end the first quarter, also that lead at home in a game that we expected them to win. Now they were they were a small favorite, um, and they had an opportunity to really extend that lead in the second quarter. It didn't happen, obviously. Cavs kept it close, and eventually, you know, the more experienced player, at least, and look, their experience on the Cavs with J.R. Smith did nothing last night. So I don't know how much experience you can use from him there. Corver 
uh, had seven points. Uh, Kevin Love wasn't there. The rest of the players don't have as much experience. And they were able to to finish that game, especially offensively, just make a couple more shots than the Celtics do. Had, like you mentioned, had wide open shots, didn't make the shots. Every time, every time Smart shot a three, I oh. thought to myself, the Cavs have won this possession. <laughs> like if, if that and, and here's the thing, you know, we never give credit to Tyloo. We we credit Brad Stevens all the time. He's done a remarkable job. But if you notice the Cavs played a different style of defense the last two games. They trapped Horford in the corner. They were running around all over the place. They switched everything. They were trying to force the Celtics to do a little bit more on offense. And the Celtics had to do more. They passed the ball more. They had to find ways to get out of some of these traps. And they did something different. And and Ty Lue will never get credit for that. But the Cavs did adjust on defense the last two games and forced the Celtics into something they had not seen. Something we haven't seen or something we haven't heard from yet is Ralph Irvin. Let's go out to our studios out in L.A. and find out what the latest is in the world of sports. Ralph. Well, thank you very much. And we go to our Geico playoff scoreboard where, as you guys were talking about, the Boston Celtics and Cleveland Cavaliers met for Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. And it was an 87-79 Cleveland win. Boston 1 of 11, the final 544 of the game including one of nine from three-point range as they tried to force it in. The Cavs now get to rest until Thursday when it'll be game one of the NBA Finals, where they will take on the winner of tonight's Houston-Golden State game, which, of course, will be played in Texas. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on your car insurance. Kyle Busch, the winner of the Coca-Cola 600 in Charlotte, Will Power earns his first ever Indy 500 title. And on the Diamonds, the Dodgers get eight strikeouts from rookie Walker Bueller. They beat the Padres 6-1. Javier Baez, three-run homer. The Cubs, eight three winners over San Francisco. And the A's hold Arizona to just three hits. Oakland, a 2-1 winner. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz. Appreciate that, Ralph. We'll catch you next hour. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. So in the maelstrom of all of the great LeBron performances that we've seen, this one may actually hit the top before he ever gets to the finals. I don't think anyone expects him to win against either Golden State or Houston. Maybe Houston, he could take him to six. I don't even know that that's possible. And I don't think anybody cares. I think there's a question that can be asked right now is whether or not his legacy is fine, whether he wins or loses this year. Obviously, his legacy is going to be okay, but I don't think it gets tarnished at all with another finals loss. Not if anybody actually pays attention to the team he's carrying to the finals right now. This team, and let's not forget, game six in the first quarter, he loses Kevin Love, and Kevin Love can't even be on the floor last night, meaning not even on the bench because of the lights and all of the things that go into the concussion protocol, so they keep him in the back. Kevin Love's the only other guy in this series other than LeBron who showed up in Boston for the Cavs at any point during this series. It would usually be LeBron and Kevin Love would show up and that'd be about it and they'd get blown out. Jeff Green, who has been, look, when he came into the league, a lot was expected of him and he would show flashes one out of every three games of an all-star caliber player. 
but he never had the killer instinct. He was never aggressive enough. He was completely inconsistent, and then he ended up having heart surgery several years ago, which derailed his career while he was a Boston Celtic. And he just never really became the guy that I think most people thought he could be coming out of Georgetown. But last night, and in Game 6, when LeBron James needed somebody else to at least get into double figures, because he wasn't sure what Hill and Clarkson and Larry Nance, who got early foul trouble, and J.R. Smith, who had been putrid, particularly in Boston, during the series we're going to give him, 35's not enough to beat the Boston Celtics. But Jeff Green, Jeff, the other Jeff, G-E-O-F-F instead of J-E-F-F, talking about Mr. Green, gave him enough. Jeff Green was not expected to do what he did in these last two games, and he deserves a lot of credit for showing up, being aggressive, finding his way to the free throw line, crashing the boards, making open shots. That guy came to play when his guys needed him. Yeah, and and think about being LeBron, going into this game, knowing you're playing 48 minutes, and not knowing who you have to help you win this game on your team. Yep. I mean, is it going to be Hill this week? Is it going to be this game, I should say? Will it be J.R. Smith, who on the road has been absolutely atrocious in the playoffs? You know, is Corver going to be the guy? Corver was one for, for, for six from three. He had open chances early in the game, did, didn't make them. They, he had five total points from his bench. Nance had two, and Corver had, had three points in this game. Um, and so you go into the game not knowing who that guy's going to be. And look, Green was aggressive to the to, to the paint early in the game. We saw him take a He might have had one where he where he took about eight steps before dribbling or after dribbling, and, and they don't even call travel anymore. That's I think that was the his NBA. First, I think that was his first big bucket. Uh, it was an one where he literally just picked up his dribble at the foul line, took eight steps, and and had and one bullet shot fifty percent from the field, two for nine from three. Hit a couple big threes later in the game, which is you know when they needed it. Had eight rebounds as well. Um, and they needed someone to step up, like you said. But look, eighty-seven points should not be enough to win a game in twenty eighteen. Not at all. Even no. even with the Celtics, who are not typically this off offensive juggernaut. But we get back to this again, and the Celtics weren't didn't shoot very well, but the Cavs did enough to win this game. And look, if they play the Rockets in the in the next round in the finals, um, the Rockets have also not been in this situation before. And LeBron has, and, and that's a big plus, I think. Um, and look, if Chris Paul's out for a little bit, that will obviously help the Cavs. But I wouldn't totally discount the Cavs. They have three games at home, obviously. They play much better at home. They could take all three games at home against the Rockets, and obviously they have to win one um, on the road. But I, I don't know how long LeBron James can keep doing this. I, he said in his post-game interview that at the trade deadline, he decided to basically win this finals himself. If you listen to what he said, he goes, I'm, a, I'm just going to do it myself. And in year 15, we saw in game six, was it game six when he looked pretty fatigued or game five? Game five, um, yep. when he looked pretty fatigued. How long can he keep doing this? At some point, his body is going to say, I'm done. And he's a special talent. And I say this quite often, especially with the NFL. Um, people ask me, you know, how do um, – you know how does a Hall of Famer do it, or or, or what's the key, or, or who's the best player you played against, and, and how do they train? Guys that are top of their game, that are Hall of Famers, they are just more physically gifted than anyone on the court or on the field. Like I play Adrian Peterson, right? Maybe the maybe one of the top running backs of all time. He played with a sports hernia in 2012, the year I was there when he had 2,000 yards. He didn't practice all week. He did not practice all week. He, Friday for 10 minutes we had a walk through his offensive line and we showed him the top three runs we're going to run that week. 
He just went out and, and, and rushed for 200 yards. Those guys are just supremely gifted compared to the normal player. And that's what LeBron is. He's just physically, we know that, more gifted. But the way he can continue to play every single night, that's the gift that he has that other players just don't have. And we were blessed to get to watch it. We'll continue to break down LeBron's epic performance last night, where it ranks among his career achievements, and who will win tonight between the Rockets and the Warriors. We discuss Chris Paul and how unfortunate that situation is for Houston. Next, this is Outkick the Coverage on Memorial Day here on Fox Sports Radio. Curtis Blow? Danny? I'm feeling it. Jason, you're not playing this at your barbecue, though. Oh, yeah, we are. I'd have to have a barbecue first, but we could do it. That's the voice of Jeff Schwartz. He used to play in the offensive line in the NFL. Now he writes fantastic articles for SB Nation, and he chats with us every Wednesday, and he fills in with me generally every time Clay is out, as he is. He's in Florida. Jeff's on Twitter at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. I'm at J-Mart Outkick. Danny G at uh, Danny G Radio. And LeBron James. Is he at King James? I think that's where he is. I'm not 100% sure. I don't care if you follow LeBron on Twitter. But we've talked a lot about LeBron James on this show. It's Outkick the Coverage here from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. The harder part, carrying this Cavs lineup to the NBA Finals. That's what LeBron James just did. Let's hear what the King had to say after that performance and that series. I mean, I don't know because I don't, I don't really hear it. I don't really get involved in it. I mean, I kind of know the narrative, you know, throughout the season on, you know, if we lose, I already know what's going to happen out in the outside world. I've been a part of it. If we win, I know, I know the narrative. I, I get it. I mean, it's all a part of the, the storyline. You know, I could care less about a finals record. I could care less if I don't, you know, play well at this game or, you know, if my teammates don't show up because I know how much I put into the game and nobody can ever take that away from me. I just love everything about the kid, the way he plays the game, his demeanor. You know, where he come from. You know, I know his parents, and, and I just know he's he's just built for, for stardom. Talking about Jason Tatum there, that kid's a stud. And you think yeah. about the fact, just think about whether, let's say Philadelphia had taken Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz, and you had what you had in Philadelphia plus Jason Tatum. Jason, you and I called Tatum before, oh, yeah, we did. before the day before the NBA yep. draft, Clay went around and asked us who we thought was the most standout player coming out of college, and both Jason and I picked Jason Tatum. Yep, and I, I, we're you, seeing you, it. You don't know how much I wish the Lakers would have drafted him. Yeah, I mean, you guys got Lonzo, and Lonzo is fast, and <laughs> let he me can repeat. Pass. Let me repeat. You don't know how much <laughs> I wish the Lakers drafted Tatum. <laughs> Tatum is Tatum like when you look at the Boston Celtics and you look at kind of the workman like way that they generally construct these teams and the grit and the heart with which they play and the way that the city kind of embraces a lot of these guys Tatum looks perfect not just for Brad Stevens but for Boston a little bit uncharacteristic with how much swagger he showed last night but hey if you dunk in LeBron's face you can do whatever you want as far as I'm concerned <laughs> And hit the threes, oh, he, and he's looking around and didn't have a whole lot of help last night either. By the way, Tatum addressed that. They asked him about it afterwards, about his dunk on LeBron. I mean, I had to get him back, you know, for the two shots. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, no disrespect by it. You know, just in the moment, made a play, you know, just showing emotion. How many times did we, did we see that photo of, like, a young Tatum 
taking a photo with LeBron James years oh, yeah. ago. Tatum was also one of the kids. I think didn't I hear that he was one of the kids that was at the club when LeBron made the announcement <laughs> that he was going to Miami? He like, was, there were all sorts of stories. He tells a lot of stories about how he kept trying to get LeBron to follow him on social media. But the player <laughs> he was really obsessed with growing up was Kobe Bryant. He would watch Ugh. YouTube film and videos of Kobe, and he's still obsessed with Kobe. He he gets so are you puppy eyes when anybody brings up Kobe. So for all the the for as Clay calls him the Kobe Bryant guy, it, it's kind of cool because Jason Tatum feels like he could be the next Kobe of the NBA. Whoa, Ugh. whoa, that's whoa, well, whoa. Let's, let's wait a little while here. But, but no, but I'm just saying uh, to play that well as a rookie. 20 years old, just two oh, years no, removed from high school. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, Kobe He's didn't, more play. Unselfish than Kobe Kobe didn't play this well his rookie season. Jeff? No. Well, <laughs> his rookie season was also was also when I was very young. Um, uh, look, I, I think calling the next Kobe Bryant is, is a little intense, but why, why does like LeBron pretend like he doesn't read everything that's ever been written about him? He always says, oh, yeah. I, I, don't, I just didn't pay attention Drives to that. Drives me insane. Yeah, you, you pay attention to all of it, LeBron. We know you do because you react to all of it. Stop pretending that you don't read social media during the playoffs. I know you do LeBron's that. LeBron's a millennial. Zero dark 30. That's Get- all he cares about is what people have to say yes. about him. He cares more about what others think of him than what he thinks of himself. That's one of his only problems. We'll be right back on OutKick. We're live in the Geico OutKick studios. OutKick to coverage. Clay Travis in Florida, back tomorrow from Florida, but he'll be back on this program. I'm his executive producer, Jason Martin, at Jmart Outkick, joined by former NFL offensive line veteran, played for the Panthers, Vikings, Chiefs, and the Giants. He's at Jeff Schwartz, G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. You can read his stuff at SB Nation. Wrote an awesome article last week. Maybe we'll get into that at some point. But hoops is the main thing, certainly on the docket today by the way the geico 15 minutes could save you 15 percent or more on car insurance all you got to do to take advantage of that is, is visit geico.com and get yourself a free rate quote i'm going to read this as quickly as i possibly can and i know based on ben maller as a fan of the clippers is probably i hope that he is either already at home or is careful on his drive as i read this And then it will become clear why I'm reading this. Starting in January of 2014. Just in 2014. Separated shoulder, sore hamstring, sore right groin, strained groin, inflamed rib cartilage, broken right hand, sprained left thumb, sore left hamstring, sore left hamstring, torn left thumb thumb ligament, sore left knee, sore left leg, sore groin, sore left knee, sore hamstring, sore left hip, sore right hamstring. That is a list of 17 injuries sustained by Chris Paul since 2014 that have kept him out for a considerable amount of time each time. 17 injuries in four years. 17. And Danny, I think you remember this. When Chris Paul was acquired by the Houston Rockets, I suggested that it wasn't going to matter in the end, and I half-joked, and I feel bad about it in retrospect Because I made light of something. Nobody wants to see somebody go down. And it's so unfortunate and sad. And it was amazing to watch how he tried to lead, wearing his uniform on the sidelines. They didn't even want him to fly, but he wanted to be there for his team. And he was so engaged and doing everything he could. But I said, yeah, it's great acquisition to bring in Chris Paul until you get deep into the playoffs and he's hurt. And now we enter Game 7 tonight. Rockets have earned the right to play this game, this knockout game, on their home floor. 
and the acquisition, not their best player, but probably their toughest player and their best pure leader, the guy that won them the last two games that they've won in this series, not going to be available for them. And it's sad, and I think it's even more unfortunate for Game 7 because I don't think this thing's going to be particularly close tonight. Danny, the the Chris Paul acquisition (laughs) on the paper looks a lot better, but this guy's basically Mr. Glass from Unbreakable, and that's really unfortunate because he's so much fun to watch. Yeah, and I do remember you bringing that up uh, on the show at that time. And a lot of people did because that's been his M.O. You know how many games he missed as a Clipper? He could never finish a season. I don't think he ever played an entire healthy season as a Clipper. Could be wrong about that. Maybe one season where he – we'll have to check on that. But it seemed like every single year here in Los Angeles there were two things you could count on. He was going to get hurt for a long stretch, and Blake Griffin was going to get hurt for a long stretch. (laughs) Those were two things you could count on in in the Los Angeles sports scene. And the past couple of weeks have been really hard because, as you know, I also work on the Ben Maller Show. And, Ben, this is how he is as a Clippers fan. When a player leaves the Clippers, he suddenly hates their guts. They're enemy number one. So he has been dogging on Chris Paul ever since CP3 joined the Rockets. So you can imagine he's been poking needles in his CP3 voodoo doll at home during these games all season. And in the playoffs, he's been ranting and raving, he's going to get hurt, he's going to get hurt. And as soon as CP3 got hurt, Ben Maller's been dancing around the studios here celebrating. Now the rest of the NBA, and for casual NBA fans and even hardcore NBA fans, we want to see this guy win a ring because we know how hard he works. We know from what we've heard that he's a great teammate. Um, it's just that he's been, quote-unquote, unlucky when it comes to nagging injuries. And that's what he's had, one thing after another, a knee, a hamstring, an ankle. A you just listed all those, what, that was for one season? Can no, you, that, was from, that was since 2014. 2014, but still, okay. I mean, he's been, and that's nowhere near all the injuries he's sustained in his career. <laughs> well, the funny part is that could have just been a list for one season because <laughs> that's been, the thing with him is that you would think he's on a, a stretcher most of the year, and it's it just stinks, man. Why could this guy just not be a little more durable, you know? it. It stinks to think that his team is one game away, possibly, from the NBA Finals. I really hope that he could limp out of the tunnel tonight, a la Willis Reed. That would be dope. Yeah, it really would. And, Jeff, I think it not only stinks for the Rockets and Rockets fans, but it stinks for all of us who like watching the NBA, especially in the playoffs. Because you want to see both these teams at 100%. You want Andre Iguodala on the floor. I do think it's hilarious utterly hilarious that the narrative always is if Steph goes out they can still win Clay goes out they can still win Kevin Durant goes out they've still got Steph and Clay and Draymond they're still going to win Andre Iguodala's out oh they can't win Andre Iguodala they, they've got no shot Andre Iguodala is all of a sudden the vocal leader even though I'd always heard that was Draymond Green he's the best defensive player he's the guy that fills the rotations he's the one that makes every clutch shot Iguodala is a really nice basketball player, but you're not going to get sympathy for me if Golden State loses tonight, and even if Chris Paul was still playing, you're still not going to get sympathy from me because Andre Iguodala's out, and that roster that has four Hall of Famers in the starting five, and that starting five, including Iguodala here, who might be a Hall of... I, I, he's a borderline Hall of Famer, probably not quite a Hall of Famer, 
But the other four guys that are Hall of Famers or will be Hall of Famers are all still on the floor, and yet you're not getting the job done. Now, Iguodala, when he was guarding Harden and Paul in this series, Harden and Paul were one for 40 shooting the basketball against Iguodala. We know he's a good player. But please, Kevin Durant is the reason why this series isn't already over. Kevin Durant coming up small in fourth quarter after fourth quarter, turning into a shrinking violet and disappearing against adversity, (laughs) which we've seen so... We haven't seen it happen in Golden State. He hasn't faced adversity on a basketball court until this series. He faced it in Oklahoma City against this Golden State Warriors team, and what happened? A three, you know, being up in the series turned into a 4-3 defeat against the Warriors, and then he joined Golden State because he realized he wasn't going to be able to win with Westbrook. But his Game 5 and Game 6 performances were atrocious, and they had the opportunity to knock the Warriors out and could not do it. Kevin Durant versus LeBron James is an argument a lot of people want to have, and honestly, in my opinion, it's not an argument. If Durant's playing for the Cavs, the Celtics are in the play- are, are in the finals right now, period. Kevin Durant has all the skill in the world. You're not supposed to be as tall as that guy, be able to shoot, move, handle, shoot from the line. Everything that he does at basically seven feet tall, you're not supposed to be able to do. But he's soft. He was soft in Oklahoma City, and all you need to know is that when the Oklahoma media came after him just a little bit for maybe not participating in the clutch in the playoffs as much as they wanted, or maybe he wasn't quite as tied to the area as some fans believed, and maybe he was going to leave. He got really, really hurt. His feelings got hurt, and he started saying cryptic things about the media in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Imagine if he played in New York, or in Los Angeles, or in Philadelphia. He joined the best team in the world with arguably the best roster at least from an offensive standpoint, that has ever existed in the NBA. And down the stretch in these games, more often than not, not in Game 6 when Clay got hot, and Steph was a lot more consistent, but we've seen the Warriors defer to Durant and sit there and watch him try to go one-on-five like it's Oklahoma City all over again because they expect him to make the shots because it's become his team. And what we've seen is he's not able to do it when he really needs to the most when nobody else is doing it around him. He's not a tough basketball player. If the chips are down tonight, I don't expect Durant to be the one that shoots them back into it or keeps them in it. He was front-running again. He might be a bigger front-runner, Jeff, than Tiger Woods. <laughs> um, you you said a lot there that needs to be, I think, I think talked about. My favorite narrative of the Warriors is the Steph Curry injured or not injured narrative, you know, First half, he plays yeah. slow. He's really injured. The third quarter, he plays really well. All of a sudden, he's healthy. The fourth quarter, he, you know, he doesn't play well. He's hurt again. Um, th- th- that narrative is, is so overplayed. I'm sure if he plays poor tonight, it's because he's injured. But your point about Durant, when you watch him the last couple of games, he looks timid. He doesn't look like a guy who wants to be the man who leads the Warriors to victory. He has had many opportunities to be the guy, to come up the court, take that big three, to make the play, to win the game, and we just kind of give him a pass for that. Um, other players in, in in the NBA, if they pass the ball in those situations, LeBron James, he gets crushed for it. But you have Durant not taking shots at the end of important basketball games. Not even, look, was it game four when he did game not Game four, score? he passed to Clay. He, game four, yeah, yeah game, no, game four, he passed to Clay he, with that look, awful shot. No, here's the thing, he, he didn't, he, he had... 
he had, I believe he had one basket in the last seven minutes and did not That's attempt right. a field goal in the last three minutes of, of a close game at home in a game that they should have won and taken a a, a strong command of the series at three to one. Uh, he is to your point has been a shrinking violet in this situation tonight. Steph Curry is the guy. If the Warriors need a need a guy to step up, and maybe it's Clay Thompson as well. You know, Clay's kind of the forgotten guy. Now he's had you know two situations in Game Sixes um, in the Western Conference Finals when they needed they need a lot from him, and, and he's and he's come through with that. Um, and you know, maybe he's the guy again tonight. But to your point, if if the Warriors get behind by eight to ten points on the road tonight, maybe 15, 20 points. Um, I'm not looking at Kevin Durant to make up the difference. I'm looking nope. at for for Steph Curry, Clay, Clay, even Draymond Green. This series has kind of not been himself. He's been turning the ball over a bunch. He seems to be whining a little bit more than usual. He has, he has not seemed like the same player. Um, you know, you know, Iguodala is a important piece uh, to that team, but not like what everyone has said. You know, has, has made him out to be. Look, he, he was Finals MVP. I, I know he played well in 2015 uh, for them. But I, I just I can't believe that that we can't rely the Warriors can't rely on the second best player in the NBA and Kevin Durant in a, in a game seven tonight because he really has not shown that he can handle the pressure and the best part about Kevin Durant's personality to me is that you know he's kind of this salty character on social media he gets really upset when people criticize him but then he backs up the criticism by not going hard in games he has to finish he has to finish hard for his team and. To me, like I said, Steph Curry tonight, if, if you want to win this game, Warriors, Steph Curry is going to have to put up a lot of points. He's going to have to start the game hot. He has really not started any game hot. He's going to have to, to bring his, his non-injured leg in the first quarter and, and get hot early on. I, I would not count out the Rockets without Chris Paul. We saw them put up 39 points in the first quarter on the road. Um, they are a good team at home. There's a reason why. You want home court advantage, like I said, one hundred four and twenty seven now in Game Seven at home. Um, mm-hmm. The the averages would say with the with, with the Cavs winning in Boston last night that tonight the Rockets uh, should 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 win this game. I mean, they're getting six and a half points at home too. It's kind of disrespectful, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, <laughs> and and I uh, I will probably put money down on the Rockets getting points tonight. I know everyone thinks the Warriors are going to blow them out. I just, I don't see that. I don't know. I, I guess I don't know. Where that you know that kind of confidence that the Warriors are going to blow them out has has come from. Look, they won Game One by it wasn't really close. What 13, 14 points yes, in 13, in, yeah. in Houston, and they played a good a good Game One. But that that Warriors team does not look like the team that's played the last couple of games. Um, they lost obviously Game Two in Houston. They lost Game Five in Houston, um, and now the Rockets. This is what this is what they have played their whole season for is to get to this point. To, to take down the three-time Western Conference champs at home. This is why you have home court advantage. I would I do not expect the Rockets to come out tonight and play intimidated. They're going to come out fired up. They're going to come right at the Warriors. They 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 can kind of sense that 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 the Warriors are kind of fracturing a little bit. I I can't explain. Maybe you can. They just seem off, and maybe it's because. They look at Kevin Durant and say, "Dude, you're our guy. This is why you came here, and you're just not, not being the guy for us." And maybe there's a little bit of behind the scenes turmoil because he's just not doing the job they expected of him. They expected him to be the guy at the end of games, to 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 be the killer, and he just has not been. And maybe that is one of the reasons why they just haven't looked like the same team that we expected them to be. We will continue 
to talk about Kevin Durant and this narrative on the other side because I do have more to say about it. And I also think that one of the reasons why the Warriors don't appear right right now is the attitude and the nonchalance, and you might even say the disrespect coming from Steve Kerr to the Houston Rockets. That's another thing that has not been discussed enough. Kerr's gotten a lot of credit. I don't know that he's taken enough criticism. That game is huge tonight. We will continue to discuss it. If you want to join the conversation, you can at 877-996-6369. That's 877-99-ON-FOX. Kevin Durant, shrinking violet. It ain't a hot take, folks. It's just facts. We're back in a moment here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back. We're mobbing live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Happy Memorial Day. Hope you're spending it with loved ones. Hope you're having a good time out there. Cavs having a better time than the Celtics. I would imagine Cleveland fans also having a pretty good morning today. Golden State and Houston, neither one of those two teams is relaxed. But we're going to be relaxed trying to watch that game tonight. Talking a lot about Kevin Durant here in this second hour to open it up. I called him a shrinking violet. He was averaging going into game six. And I'm not exactly sure what he did in the fourth quarter in game six. I don't care because the game was decided already by that point after what we saw from Clay Thompson as he woke up big time and started draining everything he looked at. But Kevin Durant, Jeff, and Jeff Schwartz is joining me. I'm uh, Jason Martin in for Clay Travis. Clay's back tomorrow. He's in Florida, but he's back. Kevin Durant, outside of Game 6, but going into Game 6 in this series, in the fourth quarter, this guy that they need to be the closer, this guy that they look to to try and make these really difficult shots when Steph hasn't been right, I don't think he's had his legs underneath him because they challenged him so much on ISO basketball early in the series, and he may not be 100%. We don't know. He's also not the world's greatest athlete, and he's never been the world's greatest defender. So he's taking on one of the great individual players we've ever seen, as an offensive player in Harden, he's dealing with Chris Paul. He's dealing with shooters outside, having to chase them all over the place. So he's tired. But Kevin Durant, seven feet tall, a wonderful defender, a great basketball player all the way around. What's he averaging in the fourth quarter in this series going into that knockout game potentially for the Warriors on Saturday night in Golden State? Any guess, Jeff? No. How many points is he averaging in the fourth quarter? Of the series or the last two yes, games? Yes, series. Um, Six. Three and a that half. That might be too high. That might be too high. Three <laughs> and so, a half so points. That's so bad. Oh, man. He's like supposed to be your closer, violet, Jeff. By the way. I love the term shrinking violet. It's a great. It's, it's fantastic. A great, it's a fantastic. And I know you're a wordsmith, so that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic usage of some words right there. Danny, Kevin Durant. Three and a half points this series in the fourth quarter. You just flat out have to be better. Look, the Warriors might overcome it anyway, and they may win big tonight. And look, the Chris Paul thing makes it more likely to be sure. But Kevin Durant averaging three and a half points throughout the series in the fourth quarter is anything but clutch. But it does speak to what we've seen from Durant a lot in the past when he's been called upon to win playoff games. Well, they usually whip the ball around. They're, they're, what's going on is Houston has been switching a lot on defense, and that's been causing Durant to play iso ball, and and that's not good for the Warriors' offense as we've seen. So we, that's the that's the biggest problem in this series for the Warriors because the W's that they've had in the series, you see how they've been getting their points. They run up and down the court. Yeah. 
They clear out, uh, you know, their best shooters in the corners, and everybody gets to touch the ball, and it flows nice and smooth. Those touch passes, that's yes. the Warriors we've gotten to know and love. But when it turns into Durant, Iso, and the rest of the Warriors are standing watching him, then it all goes to hell for Golden State, and yeah. that's what has happened in the losses. Yeah, all of a sudden the Warriors have become the Rockets. Uh, or what what we expected the Rockets to become. The way the, Rock- I think they're the, way the Rockets around- the way the Rockets looked in game one, remember? Yeah. The next yes. day on the radio, everybody was like, They're playing ISO ball. That's ISO death yeah. for the Rockets. And of course, they turned it around. They looked more like themselves in game two. So you're right. They've kind of traded places here. They have, and they're averaging, the Warriors are around forty less passes a game during this series than they have over the last two seasons with Kevin Durant. So they've gone away from a lot of what it is that brought them to the dance. Our telephone number, by the way, is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99-ON-FOX. We'll get to John and Andy's phone call here in just a second, but I think Jeff's trying to jump in. I think I saw, I a, a, a read a stat. It was either game five or game six where Durant only passed the ball 20 total times in the game, and he normally passes the ball about 43 times a game. And to your point, Danny, about Houston's defense, you know, one thing I've also noticed too is Houston's picking up the Warriors uh, much uh, much earlier in the possession as well. Like they're 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 picking them up five six feet outside the three point line and forcing them to to kind of be uncomfortable and start their offense in a position that that they don't want to do that, forcing them to to not be able to pass the ball all the way around. And you're right, they Durant has had favorable matchups to where he can ISO players. But then it shuts down the rest of of the of the team, and I'm surprised that Steve Kerr. Maybe he's told them, "Look, we don't want to play this way. Stop doing it." But they just defer back to Durant because he's supposed to be their guy. He's supposed to be the guy who, in, in, on these situations, especially in ISO situations, is supposed to deliver for them. And it just hasn't been that way. And we'll see tonight. Maybe they've learned their lesson. Maybe they'll pass the ball around more often. But your point about about game one, and and we kind of said, "Look, the Rockets can't play this ISO ball." They came out in game two. They were passing the ball all over the place in game two, and they've gone away from that a little bit. Uh, but I expect tonight. I, I just think the Rockets are going to play well tonight. I, they might not win because of Chris Paul, but I. But what's weird is, is I expect the Rockets who and, and James Harden who have routinely kind of come up short in these situations to play really well tonight, and not the Warriors who tend to play big in these situations. I, I feel like roles have flipped. Now Houston might not win because they don't have Chris Paul. But I expect them to play really well tonight. And, and like I said, they might miss the, 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 the 20, 25 points from Paul and lose the game. But that doesn't mean that, that they won't play well. The Warriors, I don't know which team's going to show up tonight. Do you guys know which team's going to show up? Well, I think so. No, I don't, honestly. I think the Warriors are going to win tonight, and I'm not sure it's going to be close. I hope to be wrong, both because I would like to see Houston in the finals as well. And I just want to see a good basketball game tonight. I want to see both teams play well. And we haven't seen that really in either one of these two series. That seven-game series we finished last night in the Eastern Conference Finals is one of the worst I've ever seen, if not the worst I've ever seen. LeBron made it dramatic, and Tatum played well. And at times, other guys had really good performances at home. But that was bad basketball. And we've seen a lot of bad basketball in the Western Conference Finals as well. What I thought was funny in your last statement, Jeff, was you saying that Durant has had favorable matchups during this series. Durant has favorable matchups against just about everybody. Well, yeah. So and there's almost tall, nobody yeah. that can guard that guy, which is what makes it so much more inexcusable to me that he's averaging three and a half points in the fourth quarter and he's missing all these shots. And I got somebody on Twitter right now saying Kevin Durant, a shrinking violet, just facts is the dumbest statement ever after he went off in the finals last year and did this. 
did what? What are you talking about this? You talking about three and a half points in the fourth quarter this year against the Houston Rockets? You talking about disappearing and making two of the worst basketball plays in back-to-back games that your team lost in terms of game four, where you find Clay Thompson, don't take the shot yourself, don't call timeout, don't do anything. And then in game five, you're nowhere to be found down the stretch. You're not doing anything. Just terrible basketball from Kevin Durant when it mattered the most. He racks up them stats in the first half. He takes off. Boy, he is swinging down into the paint, one-handed jams. He's shimmying at the free throw line. He's all over the place. If it's tight in the playoffs, late in the game, I don't want Kevin Durant because I've seen this movie before. I saw him blow it against Golden State, which led to him joining Golden State. And yeah, he was fantastic in the finals last year. He was great. That's the only reason I give him credit for winning that championship in the first place because I had a hard time getting there. And then his performance was good enough last year that I gave it to him. But the Cavs weren't going to beat the Warriors last year. Nobody believed that the Cavs were going to beat the Warriors, even less so this year if Golden State gets there. I don't think that it was clutch what we saw from Durant last year just because he didn't need to be clutch because that team was so much better than Cleveland was. That's why I expect more from him now. He can't just not show up when he's got that kind of talent around him and they're standing there looking at him to win these games. When I think of the Golden State Warriors, and you talk about, Jeff, what's off with this team, I'm tired of Steve Kerr leaning back in his chair and talking about how they're not worried at all, not taking anybody seriously. I think that's been one of the big problems is there needs to be some kind of balance struck between having confidence and not making your team feel like they can't win, but also having a healthy respect for the opposition. And too often, Steve Kerr has played too cool for school, in my opinion, and I think he's probably pissed the Rockets off in some respect. He would piss me off with the way he's acted. He has not come across like he has the adequate respect for the talent on the other side of that floor. And look, there's there's coach speak and there's all of this, but Steve Kerr, to me, has not been particularly good on the sidelines in this series, and worse... I think there's an arrogance. We talk about why Golden State, uh, in our outkick poll that we've done throughout the playoffs, why no one is pulling for Golden State. And Kevin Durant is the most obvious reason. But he's by no means the only reason. Steph Curry has become arrogant instead of affable. And I promise you, I would be a three times bigger Steph Curry fan if mouthpieces were outlawed in the NBA. Because watching his mouthpiece, you see his mouthpiece more than you see his face. If he could keep that thing inside his mouth... That would be fantastic. But you've got Draymond, who is certainly polarizing on every level. You've got Kerr, who wades into political issues left and right, and again, seems to just not care at all about the opposition, not show them any respect whatsoever. And you look at the talent on the floor, it's real easy to dislike these guys, in my opinion. And I think after you watch a dynasty long enough, you just want to see somebody else. But I don't think that Kerr has taken enough criticism for not necessarily making the right place. He should have been a, the one to call the timeout instead of Draymond Green frantically trying to get it done there in Game 4. I don't think that he has been up to par, at least with the level of praise that people have showered on him. If you want to shower praise on him, that's fine, because he's been worthy of it in many respects. But he has not taken the blame as much as I think he deserves for not getting his team where they need to be. I know Iguodala is out of the game, 
But again, if you want me to have sympathy for the Warriors because Andre Iguodala is not playing, you're going to be waiting for a very, very long time. Let's bring in Ralph Irvin, and we will continue down this pathway on the other side. But let's find out what happened last night in the world of sports. Ralph? Well, thank you, gentlemen. And, of course, last night when we checked the Geico NBA playoff scoreboard where Cleveland was an 87-79 winner over Boston to take the Eastern Conference Finals. They advance to the NBA Finals, which will start on Thursday. They will take on either Houston or Golden State. That winner to be determined by tonight's Game 7 in the Western Conference Finals. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On to the Major League Baseball Diamonds Atlanta. Back into first place in the National League East. After beating Boston 7-1, the Red Sox lead in the AL East. Now just a game after the Yankees shut down the Angels 3-1. Cleveland rookie Greg Allen, a solo shot in the 14th. They walk off Houston 10-9. And Javier Baez, a three-run bomb as the Cubs feasted on the Giants 8-3. And guys, as you're talking about criticism of NBA players, well, let's see what LeBron James has to say about that and when it has to do with his teammates. You know, I know I get a lot of the headlines, win, lose, or draw, whatever the case may be, but in order to be successful, it's a team game. I learned that from when I was, when I first started to pick up a basketball to play organized basketball at, at age nine. So you get all the doubters and people who's never stepped in an arena, who's never played basketball, who's never put on the tank top and shorts, um, who's never played anything organized, always want to try to kill my teammates. In other words, I think he's telling you to shut up and dribble. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios. <laughs> And Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz. Well played, Ralph. Welcome back inside the Geico Outkick Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Kevin Durant under 40% shooting from the field in his last three games. Just going to go ahead and put that back out there. But still, it's game seven and the Warriors really should win it if you look at it. I need to see more from P.J. Tucker. He made shots early on Saturday. He's going to need to make more. Eric Gordon's been something special in this in this uh, playoff series, to be sure. Eric Gordon, who's a former sixth man of the year, may well be the sixth man of the year again. Maybe should be. That dude is lethal when he gets hot. And he was really, really playing well, especially early in game six. They're going to need all of that and more tonight to compensate for the Chris Paul situation. And James Harden who, if you want to talk about shrinking violence, James Harden, back what he did and disappeared against LeBron James in the Heat in the finals, and then last year in particular, disappearing against the Spurs and basically sitting on the bench, sulking and being disengaged in the second quarter when Kawhi Leonard wasn't even able to play in that series, was a bad look. And that's where I said I will never pick the Rockets to win a major series again They will have to win one, and then I'll say, okay, now they can win going forward. Said the same thing about the Raptors, and the Raptors got clowned in the last round by LeBron James. The Rockets have an opportunity to change that narrative tonight. If they can get to the finals, okay, we'll see. Harden has been awfully good, but Harden might need 50 tonight. He really might. I don't know if Ariza is going to show up for them and make the shots that we've seen him make in the wins. I don't know if Tucker is going to show up. I don't know if Eric Gordon is going to be as hot as he's been. I just don't know. I don't know if they're going to foul Capella every time he gets near the basketball because he shoots free throws about as well as I would if I was taking them from here, trying to hit them in Houston. He shoots like 45% from the line, and most of them are not even close. So, you know, 
anything can happen in a game seven, Jeff. I'm taking the Warriors because I took the Warriors before it started. I took the Warriors in six. It's going to take seven to get it done. I know it's on Houston's home floor. I just don't think without Chris Paul out there, they've got enough to win. I would have picked the Warriors even with Chris Paul playing, but the lack of CP3 to me is just such a killer. It's so unfortunate. I'm praying that we get a great basketball game tonight anyway. I'm praying Kevin Durant has a fantastic fourth quarter because I love watching him play. I hate having to criticize him, honestly, but it's my job to actually analyze what it is we see on the floor. I want to see everybody go off and this thing be a 125-124 game where defense is being played but offense is flat out just too good. Sometimes, like LeBron, LeBron hitting these fallaways that are low percentage shots, but he's just that good. I want to see that from both these two teams. I want to see him go out and leave it all out on the floor. I'm just afraid we're set up for another potential 15-point win by Golden State where everybody can probably go to sleep by the time the fourth quarter starts. Give yourself some credit, Jason. I, I think you can make a foul shot from from your seat in Nashville, okay, buddy? I just just I, I want appreciate you to be confident. That. I want you to be confident in that. You know, real quick, back to Steve Kerr. I didn't get a chance to comment on this. You know, oh, yeah. he gets a pass he gets a pass because he's mean to the NFL on social media. I mean, that that's really why. People like that he is um that he is socially active and, and is a champion um of social activism and, and that's why he gets a pass. It's plain and simple. You know, we we know that 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 goes a long way in, in perception. And look, he, he does speak up about those issues. I, I, I credit him for having the guts to say that at times. Um, but that's why. I mean, you know, if he didn't criticize the NFL this week, I'm sure he wouldn't be getting the pass. I mean, we spent uh, two days, or not we, but social media spent two days mostly praising Steve Kerr. I did not. Um, but most people praise Steve Kerr for bashing the NFL, even though, remember, he was part of the PA when, when they fined and suspended a player we're not standing for the anthem uh, in, in the in the late '90s, so um, you know maybe he's changed his views on that, but he sure didn't care about it back then. Uh, so that's why he gets a pass. That's point. I think you can agree with me on that. He gets a pass because of that. Because the last couple of weeks, he has not looked like the same coach we expected. And look, they have not had adversity in a couple of years. They have a new team with with Kevin Durant now. They had it really well. What they were sixteen and one last year in the playoffs, right? So they've they've really not had to deal with adversity as currently constructed. Um, and this is obviously tonight is, is the way to do that. And look, I, I agree with your with your feelings that a one twenty five one twenty four game would be outstanding. Tonight. I don't see it. I see um, more of a low scoring game, especially if Chris Paul is in play. You know, Houston to their credit has done a good job on defense. We just talked about that last segment, and I, I don't trust any of the Warriors like I used to to come out tonight and and give the Rockets um, uh, a game like you think they will. I mean, I, I think it's crazy the Warriors are, are favored by six and a half. I mean, they have – I know Chris Paul's out and they won that game big last night or two nights ago. I just don't see it. I think the Rockets come out tonight knowing what they have to play for, Chris Paul or not, and give the Warriors a good game. I think the Warriors are the better team. I think they're the deeper team, honestly, even though they're not constructed really well to beat the Rockets because they have so many big guys that they haven't been able to play during this series. But the old adage in the playoffs is always you play eight and you trust seven. These benches have been shortened for all of these teams in the postseason. And so we're going to see these guys play big minutes again after they played big minutes in game six. And we'll see how it plays. If there's one warrior I think I do trust tonight, the one guy I know is going to get after it and make big plays, it's Draymond Green. 
I'm not saying he's going to score 20 because that's not what he, he does. He, he averages but his like rebounds nine, though, and his hustle is. plays, he I think he is the guy that could really kind of change this game. We've seen it many times in the past, not scoring, but everything else, he's been able to change the game. How many Another times thing, how many times is the rim going to dunk on him? Yeah, that's a good point. He does have a lot of spine tanglers. I love it. My man has a lot it. of spine tanglers. It's happened like three times in this series so far. Yeah, a lot of shacked in a full moments for Draymond Green, to be sure. We'll be back. 877-996-6369. If you're on hold, stay there. We will take your calls next here on Outkick the Coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Outkick going NSFW a little bit. R. Kelly, 1998. Home alone. It's Outkick the Coverage on Memorial Day. Thanks to those no longer with us. And I don't think that we take enough time as I bring Jeff Schwartz back into the conversation, as well as Danny G spending the Dolls Radio style for us out in Los Angeles. I'm Jason Martin in for Clay Travis. He's back tomorrow. I don't think we take the time to actually remember and credit the families left behind either. I know that when I pray for our for our veterans and those that are fighting overseas for us, those that are defending us here in the homeland as well, our law enforcement, our rescue personnel, our firefighters, all of that, the stress and the worry and the anxiety placed on the families while those folks are out defending our country, defending our freedom, saving our lives, the risks that they are putting themselves under, I don't think that we ever stop and think, the life of those that allow them to do it, that love them through it, but the worry, Jeff, that they have to constantly live with, just hoping that they're going to see that person again. And in so many cases, as we remember those that we've lost here today on Memorial Day, we should also credit and respect the efforts and just the patience and the love shown by their significant others, their wives, their husbands, their children, their parents, everyone, because our freedom does not come cheap. No, it doesn't. And that's actually a very valid uh, point. I don't think that we often think about the families of uh, the fallen soldiers, but just the families of active military members that, right. um, you know, eight, nine months at a time, maybe longer, your loved one is overseas um, fighting for our freedoms against uh, people that want to kill them. I mean, that's plain and simple, right? And and they have to live with, you know, waiting for a call. I don't even know what it would be. Uh, I could imagine, you know, my wife having to do that and having to sit at home and, and just pray and hope that she's okay every day. Um, and you're right. We don't talk about the family members very often. And maybe today's a good opportunity to all, you know, like you said, to remember, uh, our fallen military members and, and current and active military ones as well, but also the families that support um, our troops. One thing that the freedom enables us to do is bloviate and run our mouths like gas bags about sports. And sometimes it turns into hot takes and it turns into yelling on television and it turns into takes people don't even believe in. And everybody comes after you on social media and you end up going back after them because it turns into a pride thing. And it's never a positive. But we're lucky to have the chance to sit around and just ballyhoo and talk about the greatness of LeBron James and then turn around and criticize him in the same breath and talk about how Kevin Durant's one of the most gifted players we've ever seen 
and then criticize them in the same breath. And I've done a little bit of that this morning. Our telephone number is 877-996-6369. That's 877-99-ON-FOX. John in Indianapolis has been waiting so patiently to talk about KD, so we welcome him into the conversation. Happy Memorial Day, John. Same to you, same to you. Um, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, was, I always looked at Kevin Durant as a, a beta, never an alpha. I felt like they, in Oklahoma City, if he had been an alpha, they might have actually been able to dethrone Golden State after a short run. But, I mean, you go and get Kevin Durant to front run for a team that already won 73 and 9 games. So, when adversity comes, of course he's going to be exposed because he was exposed in Golden. I mean, in, in Oklahoma City, he's a great player, phenomenal player. But I never, I don't think too many players of this generation have that it factor. Like Michael Jordan, they could coast because then they could turn on the it factor. Kobe had the seven uh, assassins mentality, so that even though they did take him lightly, when it was time to turn it on and go for the jugular, they knew how to do it. I don't even think Kevin Durant could even – he'd probably be squeamish around blood. Like, not <laughs> All right, John, thanks for the call. Yeah, I, I do think that there are a lot of players now that are front runners and may not have the mental toughness that some of their predecessors did. I would say that Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant's partner in crime in Oklahoma City, is a killer, but he's such a killer you can't even play with him. So there's two sides to that coin. We've got another hour to come here on Outkick. Happy Memorial Day here from Fox Sports Radio. 35, 15, and 9. If you need LeBron James in another unbelievable elimination game performance. Greatest elimination game performer we've ever seen in the NBA. Entered the game averaging 34.9 points per contest in those situations. Goes for 35. Welcome in Outkick Studios presented by Geico. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. Just go to GEICO.com or or you can call them at 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Happy Memorial Day to you. Remember what this day is about as you enjoy the freedom that it permits. Whether you're out in the sun with your family or your loved ones, whether you're enjoying Game 7 tonight as we all will or Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals as Vegas hosts Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. Only the sixth time in NHL history that both teams in the Stanley Cup Final are seeking their first championship. That ought to be a lot of fun as well. As we enjoyed LeBron James last night, as we enjoyed the freedom that it provides, don't forget what this day is about. Celebrate those that continue to fight for our freedom. Mourn the loss. And as I said Again, there to end that last hour, don't forget about the families of those folks that are still with us and those that were lost. And don't forget about the mindset and the the terrible anxiety that they had to live through. You never know, and sometimes we take for granted, that when the most important people in our lives leave our presence, leave our eyesight, it could be the last time we see them. But the risks incurred by those fighting for the freedom that comes at such an amazing price the risks are so much greater and thus the anxiety is as well so when you see a veteran out today when you're at a buffet or at a restaurant you see somebody wearing one of those hats walk up and shake their hand thank them for what they've done for this country and then look around the table at who is with them and don't forget about them 
when you're praying tonight as well because they need it just as much. Clay Travis is back tomorrow. I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer at JMart Outkick, joined by NFL offensive line veteran Jeff Schwartz at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. If you want to argue about Barry Bonds, he's your guy. We will talk about that before the end of the show. But Jeff, LeBron did it again. You bet against LeBron James at your own peril in the Eastern Conference in particular. He's 6-2 and two overall in Game 7s. He's won his last six of them. He beats the Celtics last night, who are absolutely atrocious from three. And let's hear from the King before we talk about it and start to dissect this game again. Let's hear from the King and what he had to say first his finals record and how people try to attack him based on that and they use that as the basis for the insane Michael Jordan versus LeBron James argument that I personally couldn't care less about. I'm glad that I've gotten to watch both of their careers and he doesn't seem to care much about his finals record either. You know, I could care less about a finals record. I could care less if I don't, you know, play well at this game or, you know, if my teammates don't show up because I know how much I put into the game and nobody can ever take that away from me. More on his teammates, people criticize him. And when I mean people, I mean everybody from sports experts to people inside barbershops to Saturday Night Live. And here is what he had to say about the other Cavaliers. I mean, I don't know because I don't, I don't really hear it. I don't really get involved in it. I mean, I kind of know the narrative, you know, throughout the season on, you know, if we lose, I already know what's going to happen out in the outside world. I've been a part of it. If we win, I know, I know the narrative. I, I get it. I mean, it's all a part of the, the storyline. 42 minutes last night for Jason Tatum, 2 of 6 from 3, including a monster dunk, by the way, on LeBron James in the fourth quarter, and then he came back and hit one of those two threes. He played fantastic basketball at home. He's been great all year. He really had his coming out party during this postseason. Looks like an absolute stud, and another guy that agrees would be LeBron James. I just love everything about the kid, the way he plays the game, his demeanor. You know where he come from. You know I know his parents, and, and I just know he's he's just built for for stardom. Tatum is just so much fun to watch. This Boston team really came of age, and the discussion is out there as to whether or not they'd have been better off with Kyrie Irving, better off with Gordon Hayward than they were. I don't think that they were going to win the championship either way. I think that you were able to put guys like Jalen Brown, guys like Terry Rozier. Guys like Marcus Morris and certainly Jason Tatum in positions where they had to grow up faster than expected. Youth finally caught up with them, I think, last night. I think that that rim was about a thimble size big for them when the drama really hit. Even though they were undefeated at home and had played so well, youth finally caught up with them and LeBron had been there. And I think the shadow of it cost them. But Brad Stevens, who is certainly one of the young rising stars in coaching and in the NBA, had a lot of positive things to say about his Celtics. I feel just privileged to be a part of it, just to be around these guys every day. And I have a small role to play, and everybody that has a role in our organization plays it really well, and it's a lot of fun to go to work every day. And and totally appreciative of the players. They've been incredible all throughout our time here. Fun as it's been for a lot of guys, it's been heart-wrenching in some ways for those guys because they haven't been able to to be out there on the court. So I think that they're going to be really excited to get back with it. I could take a couple of days to kind of get away from it, but training can't can't some soon enough, and those will be some those will be some fun practices. I'm pretty sure. I'm on record as saying, Jeff, that I know we don't know how it's going to go from a championship perspective, but in terms of Danny Ainge comparisons to R.C. Buford, 
in San Antonio and the way that the Spurs were always able to get the right players for that system, the right players, the coachable guys that Greg Popovich was able to mold into champions, the coaching of Popovich, who was almost fired from the Spurs before that run began, and now you look at Brad Stevens leaving Butler, where he had a little bit of talent, but not a ton of talent. He had Gordon Hayward, he had Shelvin Mack, but in general, he did not win with a lot of talent. He won because he was able to get people to buy into Brad Stevens. And in the NBA, so many coaches can't do that, and he has already proven it. I believe that we are looking at the next iteration of the Spurs. Doesn't mean they're going to win the championships that the Spurs did because the league is different. But if you look at the way that these teams play, the heart, the grit, the guys coming off the bench able to contribute, everything about it. You've even got the irritant and the guy that sort of skirts the line like Bruce Bowen did with Marcus Smart who flops around but also makes every hustle play that you want and irritates everybody that he plays against. This Celtics team is going to be heard from and could be the class of the East for the next decade. Well, to your point, even with Hayward and Irving this year, I don't think this was their year to win the championship. No, I mean, this was a year either. to get the young players in into the system, get them going. So their future is really bright. And, and to your point about them building up a dynasty like the Spurs, it is setting up that way. And here's the thing, too. They need to they need to get credit for rebuilding on the fly and not going full 76ers or full Suns and just tanking every year to to get all these draft picks. They built on the fly. They acquired players. Now, look, they're a, they're a, a desirable location for a free agent, right? So Gordon Hayward comes there. They are a desirable location more than maybe other teams. I get that. But they also traded for Irving. They drafted Tatum and Brown. They drafted Smart, right? They brought all these players in. They had a plan in place. They executed the plan. And now they are set up with with possibly LeBron leaving the East next year or in Francine this summer, which would be great because we will probably be in during that time, that summer period. Yeah, that's typically, true. there's nothing. Last year, we talked about Floyd Mayweather and, and LeVar Ball for a week. So, we could talk oh. about uh, LeBron James for hopefully a week this year um, when uh, when when we get to be back in the summer and 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 the Celtics should be commended for going about a rebuild in the way that you should do it, which is slowly rebuild. You know, you acquire draft picks, you draft the right players. You know, Danny G talked about the Lakers and and you wanting to to draft Tatum. They drafted the right players. Now Brown was a guy who. I don't think people expected him to be where he's at, Pac-12 kid from Cal. Um, no one, I don't think, thought he'd get to this point right now. But I think Tatum, it's fair to say, might be the number one on the Celtics going forward. I think he he passed Irving, and Irving is, was hurt this year. I think he's better than Gordon Hayward. So that I think the positive from this run is you found yourself maybe a, a franchise-changing player in Tatum to pair with Irving and when and when Gordon Hayward gets back. I mean, people have even talked about maybe shifting uh, uh, shipping Gordon Hayward out already uh, to allow Tatum and Brown to get the touches they need to develop because they have more upside than a Gordon Hayward. I mean, that would be a vicious move to trade him. I mean, I I don't know. I've been, I got cut after doing having the same injury, so I guess it's not that vicious if it can happen in the NFL. Um, but there's talk about maybe getting getting rid of him and, and letting these young players – really grow into their own. And look, like we said, LeBron last night, outstanding. Boston did not play very well. They played no, like they, they had not, not been in the situation. They played like they had not been in that situation before, which they had not been. You know, when the Cavs score 87 points, Boston should have won that game, shooting 17% from three. 
30, what, 34% overall. Um, and, you know, one, even one of those threes was made when it didn't even matter. And they had a chance to win that game. They didn't. They'll learn from it. They're a year early to where they are, you know, to where they should be. And now we get to see LeBron hopefully tonight. I want the Rockets to win. I, I, I like watching the Warriors play. But it'd be nice to see a different series. Uh, I'd be okay with Warriors Cavs. I think we know the outcome of that. I think we we assume we know the outcome of Rockets uh, Rockets Cavs. But I wouldn't put it by LeBron to not be able to to beat the Rockets. Just like the uh, the the Celtics, they just played. Now they don't have Harden. The Celtics don't have Harden. And some of the the, the perimeter shooters that um, that the Rockets have, but they have not been there either. And to you know to give themselves the opportunity. Um, you know, the Cavs have been there. LeBron really has been there, and J.R. Smith has been there, and, and so Kevin Love will be back, and he's been there, and Corver's been there, and they, you know some of their other pieces have not. But it's not like the Rockets have a lot of experience in this situation as well. So the, if you're a Cavs fan or you root for LeBron like like I tend to do, you kind of should root for the Rockets to win this game tonight, uh, especially if Chris Paul is going to be ailing for a while. And, and look, hamstring injuries don't heal fast. So even if he plays tonight or plays game one or game two of the finals, if they win tonight – it's not going to go away all series. He might tweak it again. He's not going to be um, a step uh, uh, ahead of, of anyone in, in, in the next round. He just, he just won't be. And, and there's a very big risk that he will do this again. I'm shocked that he traveled to uh, to to Golden State for Game 6. I mean, I guess the thought process I heard this, and it makes sense, was there was no way he was playing Game 7 tonight anyways. So there was no point in keeping him behind to rehab and get and get right because he wasn't going to play Game Seven. That makes sense. Bring him with you, have him cheerlead for you, have him be a, vet, a veteran presence in a locker room, and and just be someone to rely on on the sidelines for for advice and for support. Makes sense. Um, I don't see him playing tonight. I really don't. Eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine eight seven seven nine nine on Fox. Let's take John in Oregon. He's been waiting patiently. John, happy Memorial Day. How are you? Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, some mm-hmm. very astute comments this morning. Uh, you guys are really all over it. That's got to be the most entertaining, ugliest shooting game I've ever seen, just with <laughs> what Tatum, Tatum did and LeBron's incredible performance. That was just a, that was fun to watch, even though it was just terrible shooting. Hey, i got a couple of questions uh, for Jeff. One, first of all, Jeff, uh, because you're a football guy, I was going to ask you, what do you think about the L.A. Chargers this year and with the uh, – with the moves they've made in the draft and that. And then I got a question for Jason uh, regarding uh, LeBron James. And I kind of had the idea that he might have intimated that he this might be it for him, his his uh, stay here in Cleveland because he's done everything he can do. What, how do you think he would fit in with Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers? Because with uh, Phil Knight and Paul Allen, deep pockets they've got, they could they could find ways to pay James uh, in other ways, others uh other than salary, uh, whether it be Nike apparel or whatever contracts, uh, they could take care of LeBron. But curious about your guys' thoughts on those two uh, questions. All right, we'll stay with basketball, yeah. and then I'll let uh, Jeff address the Chargers. The one thing about LeBron, if, when I'm listening or when I'm trying to get information on LeBron James, I go to Brian Windhorst because that guy basically doesn't have a career without LeBron, and he's turned into a fantastic – he's really good at his job. I thoroughly enjoy listening to him, and he has said repeatedly – over the last three weeks, LeBron has no idea what he's going to do. He looks around the NBA, and he does not see a perfect situation. Philadelphia, if you go to Philly, he has to play off the ball, which maybe at this age is better for him, but Joel Embiid becomes Chris Bosh in the way LeBron James usually plays. Embiid becomes a guy that spots up from 20 feet in the corner or takes threes. It changes his game. 
and it sort of eliminates what Ben Simmons does, at least in certain respects. So I don't know that Philadelphia fits. Houston, we also hear that he doesn't really see anything in the West unless he just wants to go have fun and be in Los Angeles and be with the Lakers. The other consideration is this time, unlike either of his previous moves, LeBron James is going to take his children into consideration because they're old enough to have opinions that matter. And so he's going to ask them what they're going to do. But here's what Windhorst said, and I think this is fascinating. He's going to sit back and he's going to wait for free agency to open. He's going to wait until after the draft. He's going to give it a few more days, and he's going to see if a situation opens up that no one sees right now. There is a possibility that there's a team out there that makes multiple moves, including acquiring LeBron James, that attracts him. So I don't know what he's going to do. I I honestly don't. And we will continue to break that down, certainly, as we go forward. We need to get out right now because on the other side, Will Power won the Indianapolis 500 yesterday, his first win in his 11th start. Can't imagine how that felt. We'll ask him about it. It's Outkick the Coverage. Happy Memorial Day on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Geico Outkick Studios. Outkick the Coverage. Clay Travis back tomorrow. I'm Jason Martin, his executive producer, in with Jeff Schwartz. We're going to try and get into this quickly. I know we don't have a ton of time because everybody wants to talk to him. Yesterday was the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500. And for just the second time in the past 44 years, a driver won his first Indy 500 after going winless in 10 previous starts. We welcome him in. Will Power, I'm sure it is a great morning for you. Congratulations. It is. Yes. Thank you very much. So, so one of uh, our. Yeah, just uh, kind of tired, but didn't sleep. It's awesome. <laughs> so, one of our largest uh, out of American audiences is actually Australia and New Zealand. So, a lot of folks listening to you there, as of course you're a 37 year old Australian. So, take us through it. I, I read a little bit about how you felt after the race. I'm going to ask you about milk, but before I ask you about milk, I have to ask you, did it become a blur for you? Do you remember what happened after the ch- after you won the race, or is it all basically a blur and you haven't really come to grips with just how big what you accomplished was? Um, yeah, it, it, I guess it, it, it kind of was a bit of a blur. Um, just, it's just so epic. I mean, when you see so many people um, on your victory lap cheering for you and just the whole thing. I've never been so emotional after a race because I wanted it so badly um, and worked so hard for it. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, it's just a fantastic experience. I always wondered what it would be like to win in front of a crowd that big. Uh, now I know. So your doctors have told you you're not supposed to drink milk. You are not someone that does a lot of dairy. That's not a good mix at the Indianapolis 500. And I saw that you were drinking milk. So take us through why exactly uh, you decided to do it anyway. I guess in that moment, if you're going to get sick, it's worth it, right? Exactly. I'm, I'm going to say it's not often that you get to be in victory lane drinking milk at the Indy 500. So, um, yeah, I didn't even hesitate. I took a swig of that milk, and it's the sweetest milk I've ever tasted. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, congrats on the, on the win. And, and, and for those of us who, who don't know, um, how tough is it to drive when the track is as hot as it was yesterday? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it takes a lot of grip away from, uh, from the car because 
yeah, when the track gets that hot, the surface temperature of the tyre gets hot and obviously it becomes very slippery. Um, and, it, yeah, it was actually a day where you were rarely wide open. It was uh, quite difficult, quite difficult to drive, but that's what I like. Most of us are, are not patient drivers, and, and when you race, I think you have to have a little bit of patience to, to eventually find find your spot. How do you deal with, with trying to be aggressive but also trying to be safe at the same time? Yeah, it's that really, that's a balance you have to find. You know, um, it, it's very easy to step over that, <clears throat> step over the line a little bit, and, and the consequence is pretty big. Uh, here because uh, you know you're going to hit a wall and hard so yeah it's being very patient with lap traffic and being very smart with your moves and using your aggression at the very end of the race and putting yourself in that position so it's just uh, you know like everything in life it's all it's just a you know that fine balance that makes makes it work we're joined by uh will power he won the 100 second running of the indianapolis 500 yesterday Will, what was uh, what did your wife Liz have to say to you first when you were able to embrace her after that victory? I think we're just screaming at each other, saying we want it. <laughs> we, I mean, it was just uh, it was kind of like nothing. We didn't even have to say anything. We we're just just so so excited for what had happened, and you know, something we both had worked hard towards. Uh, um, yeah, that was pretty cool to see my wife there in victory lane. Um, I haven't actually watched the footage of her uh, when I went across the line, but apparently she was pretty excited. Well, that'll give you something you can do today. Will, congratulations. I know that you've got to bounce out because you have so many other people that want to talk to you, but it's awesome that you got it done. Enjoy it, my friend. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. That's Will Power. He won the 102nd Indianapolis 500 yesterday. One of the great names in the history of sports as well. And a treat for our Australian listeners, Jeff. Again, that's one of our largest out-of-American audiences here on OutKick and has been from the very beginning. I know as a call screener, we take a lot of calls, actually, from Australia. Some that don't hang on, that just want to you know talk to me or give us kudos on the show or go after Clay for Humble one brag. of the many things he says that are ridiculous. But uh, it was really good to... Uh, to see that yesterday, somebody goes through eleven starts and then finally gets it done. That's cool. It's just a cool moment. I, I you know, I didn't want to ask him the obvious question is how can F one matter again in the United States? I, I just, I, you know, I wasn't going to bring it down with the interview with all the congratulations. I just don't think it does. I didn't. I watched the last five laps of this race. I've got to be honest, and that was it. Well, I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, I kind of saw that coming. I was going to give you there. I was going to do. That. And I'm going to talk about. I, and- and yeah. I will look. I will watch some. I mean, auto racing. I, I've been to the the race in Charlotte, which was last night as well, on NASCAR side. Yeah, um, I have to. But I just, yeah, I, I did not watch that. I watched the replay, yeah, racing highlights. Racing's a little bit different. Um, I going to a NASCAR race is a lot of fun. Like if you if you actually go to the track, I've been to the Coca Cola Six Hundred a couple of different times down in Charlotte, and I was born in Martinsville, and that our half our economy basically was those couple of races for the Winston Cup series at the time that we would get every year. NASCAR sort of on a decline right now has lost some of its star power, struggling as are a lot of sports, but for a different reason, I would guess, than than some of the other sports are. It's just 
sometimes it is hard to build an audience, but Will Power joining us here on Memorial Day is a cool thing, to be sure. Barry Bonds, <laughs> this is so yes, weird. Yes, let's have this conversation. Yes. In the, in the middle of Jeff Schwartz, or in the middle of Game 7 last night, Jeff Schwartz is on Twitter. And he talked about LeBron, and he's talking about the Cavs and haters and all this. And then all of a sudden, it turns into a Barry Bonds discussion down the stretch in Game 7. So we're going to talk a little bit of Barry Bonds and maybe a little bit of Tim Tebow as well. So stick with us, and we'll get you all set again for Game 7 tonight. But first, let's bring in Ralph Irvin, find out what happened last night in the world of sports. What's the latest? Well, thank you very much. And we do go to the Geico NBA playoff scoreboard where... Cleveland found their way to move on. And the Cavaliers are going to run out the clock. Cavaliers 87, Celtics 79 is your final. What a long, strange trip it's been. But for the fourth straight season, the Cleveland Cavaliers are headed to the NBA Finals. WTAM and the Cavaliers radio network with the call as they outscored Boston 16-7 over the final 544 of the game and win at 87-79. Next up are the NBA Finals. Game 1 will be on Thursday against either Houston or Golden State. They'll determine the winner in the West tonight when they play in Texas. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On the Major League Baseball Diamonds, Ryan Healy doubled in two runs. That lifted Seattle to a 3-1 win over the Twins. Walker Bueller, eight strikeouts for the Dodgers. They beat San Diego 6-1. Javier Baez, a three-run bomb, leading the Cubs past the Giants 8-3. And Cleveland rookie Greg Allen belted a solo shot in the 14th. That lifted Houston or lifted Cleveland past Houston 10-9. Now back to the Geico Outkick Studios and Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz. Thanks, Ralph. Enjoy your Memorial Day. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Jeff Schwartz in with me, Jason Martin. Clay Travis is back tomorrow. He will be down in Florida for the remainder of the week, but he will be on air to react to Game 7 tonight between the Rockets and the Warriors. We'll be with you again at 6 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow, as we always do here from the Geico outkick the coverage studio so i don't want to we'll get into barry bonds here in just a second but quickly jeff because we had to get out there to get will power in and congratulations again to him first win in the indy 500 took him 11 starts to get there but he wins the most important race that he could possibly win in his sport and it was great to catch up with him but we had john in oregon call us and he asked about lebron james and where he could potentially end up next he asked about the portland trailblazers i don't see that happening i don't know i think lebron would see that as a situation where he still couldn't win honestly but you know i guess you never know but he also asked a question about the la chargers and i know that you're chomping at the bit to at least address that momentarily well, I mean, I'm a Chiefs fan, but so the Chargers to me are dead. No, uh, look, the Chargers uh, last year learned a lot about themselves. Look, they, lo- they lose the uh, they lose the first four games last year. Two, um, first game of the year they missed a kick to go to overtime. Second game of the year they missed a 44 yard field goal to to win that game. You know, a situation where you should you should win that game, and so they come down the stretch. They they go to Kansas City in a, in a spot where they win. They're basically in the playoff. Um, they lose, so it's a good lesson for them. Their team is is pretty good, man. They return um, a lot of of guys who 
uh, are explosive on offense. Now that they lost Hunter Henry, they probably have to bring back Antonio Gates. Offensive line, Forrest Lamb, first-round draft pick last year, Torres ACL in camp. He's back. Phillip Rivers, obviously. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams should be able to produce a little bit more. Defensive side, Derwin James, I think, was a steal of the draft, about 16 or 17 where the Chargers drafted. Mm-hmm. So um, they have a good chance this year to to do to do damage in that West. When you look at, at the Raiders and, and Gruden, Deciding to go super old on his team, and I'm not sure that's going to work in year one. The Chiefs in a little bit of a mini rebuild mode with Mahomes and, and Denver. Uh, you know, I mean, we'll see how Case Keenum does, but I, I don't. I'm not holding out hopes for the Broncos. Sorry, Jason, um, to oh, to man. really do much this year. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see on that. As for the Chargers, you're right about Derwin James. That kid's a stud. Getting him where they got him is incredible. And uh, about Forrest Lamp. He happened to go to my alma mater, Western Kentucky, and I saw basically every down that he played and covered a large part of his career. If he's anywhere near as good as he certainly appears like he is, and certainly as well as he progressed in Bowling Green, Kentucky, whew, I just pray he stays healthy, just because I want to yeah. see that guy for the next several years. You don't want to see anybody go down, certainly. All right, so we're not. in the middle. Of, so we're late. In the, we're late in Game Seven last night, and I start looking at Twitter, which was probably a mistake, honestly. And here's Jeff Schwartz just ranting about Barry Bonds, defending no. Barry Bonds from all R- the haters the coming way. after him. Now, maybe not rant. You were trying to defend him, really. You were suggesting he's the greatest baseball player of our lifetime, greatest baseball player certainly of this generation. And I'm not really clowning you because I agree, and I don't think it's close either, but make your case. And the context of this was that LeBron James takes so much hate despite being so great. And the idea that how many athletes that are as good, as dominant as LeBron James take the level of criticism and the we're going to go out of our way to try and find ways to just despise this guy have we ever seen? And Tom Brady was mentioned, and we've talked about him on this show as well. We've kind of talked around this topic at different times. But Barry Bonds then came up, Jeff. Well, I mean, I, I don't know how much defending I have to do. It's not even a question. I mean, if you look at, at let's say... Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey are most closely associated in careers. And I, I looked this up. So here's the time of Barry Bonds. 86, rookie year, to 98, no steroid use. Okay, After the 98 season, Sosa and McGuire had those great years. Barry Bonds had a good year. He had 37 home runs. Uh, he hit 303. He was a golden glove, all-star. Um, but he, just, he didn't get the respect that he thought he deserved for the year he had. Because all it went to Sosa and McGuire. He was jealous of the tension. That is reported. I believe it. If we know anything about Barry Bonds, he has an ego. He wants to be the best. 99 year, he only has 34 home runs and plays 100 games. Uh, that's actually a really good pace for him considering his career. Because the most in his career was 46 home runs in a full season in 93. But after the 98 season, he hired a new trainer. A trainer who admittedly gave him the cream and the clear, which is what he was taking um, alongside, I would assume, other things. Um, and he hired that trainer. If you look at his numbers, right, so 34 home runs in 102 games. Then 2000, he takes off. 2001, 73 home runs. Right? He gets better as he gets older, which is not really what you're supposed to do. We know he's taking steroids. But let's look at, ni- at, 90, at 1989, excuse me, 1986 to 1998. He had 411 homers. 438 stolen bases. He had eight golden gloves. He won three MVPs. He batted over 300. Um, his 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 average WAR 
for the 10 year span between his fourth year and his 14th year was 8.4. Okay. Ken Griffey between his third year, I looked up, I kind of went when they started kind of really clicking his players. Ken Griffey, his third year was when he kind of really, really took off. Um, until I believe he had a, he had a year he was injured in, in 95. I didn't count that year till 2001. So it was like 91 to 2001, sort of around there. Uh, no, 2000. He was injured a little bit in 2001. His average war was seven. If you look at Barry Bonds career war. So war is measuring basically efficiency in baseball players. It's what we use to, to say this guy had a good career, not had a good career. 86 to 98 Barry Bonds war was higher than Griffey's entire career. And everyone always says, well, Griffey, you know, he fell off a cliff. Sure, he had a couple injury year, injured years, but 2005, he played in 128 games. 2006, 109 games. 2007, 144 games. 2008, 143 games. 2009, 117 games. So it's not like he, was not, he wasn't playing late in his career. He was playing late in his career after he got hurt a bunch. And so... There's, there's no, it's not remotely close. Griffey had one MVP, and that was in 97 when he had a great year. He had 56 home runs, 56 and 98. Uh, uh, 99, he had 48. He had a lot more home runs than Bonds. He had a lot of more bigger years till Bonds t- took steroids. The, and the last thing I'll say on, on this on this topic, and I'm going to go here, is is I, I don't know why Griffey gets a pass for this era when he played with players in Seattle who were admitted users, all right? Um, I Look, great player. I'm not taking it away from him. And I don't care about steroid use. I never have. I think these guys should be in the Hall of Fame. Um, they, there should not be a separate wing. There shouldn't be an asterisk. If you want to hold players who have used to a higher standard, go ahead. But the reason Bonds is not in the Hall of Fame is because people did not like his personality. David Ortiz, by the way, I believe has had two or three instances where he's been tied to steroids. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer because everyone loves him. All right. Amen. So 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 let's not pretend that that we don't like steroid users. We don't like steroid users that that we don't like as people, right? Andy Pettit used steroids, Bartolo Colon used steroids, D Gordon got busted for using steroids. Manny Ramirez used steroids. Like every Brian Braun has been busted for using steroids. Okay. So baseball is a league that routinely has players test positive for steroids. And mind you, Baseball did not care at all until 2005 till Congress got involved. They did not test players routinely till Congress got involved. They, I believe they had a little bit of a steroid policy, but they did not care. They did not test players. They turned a blind eye because they needed ratings to come back after the strike in 95 or it was 94, 95. I forget which year exactly the strike was. They needed um, people to come back. Mark McGuire had Andrew in his locker, had a steroid in his locker that no one cared about because he was mashing home runs. So, it's really hypocritical for, for people who cheered during the steroid era to now say, well, Bond shouldn't be in because he used steroids for the back half of his career. No, you can use, you can, you can figure it out if a player used steroids or not, or you can assume and have a different standards for those guys to get in. Roger Clemens should be in, Barry Bond should be in. I know David Ortiz will be in, but Ken Griffey getting a pass for this era when he's routinely hitting a lot of home runs um, is kind of mildly surprising to me it's because we liked him but but his injuries by the way are injuries um of someone who would use steroids hamstring pulls uh, muscle tears those are steroid injuries people all right so i'm not saying he used but that he gets a free pass to me is very is very surprising it's only it's only because we like him plain and simple chris paul's torn more hamstrings than he has made shots in his career. So I guess that means he's on steroids too, based on that. Danny, Dodger Danny. We got about forty five seconds and we gotta go to break, but 
uh, go after Barry Bonds if you would like to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that because you can't. I, I and I agree. I agree with Jeff that there. Yeah, me too. Should be no difference for these guys, and they should be in the Hall of Fame. And and, and Danny can't go after me because the best player of of, of the of the <laughs> 2000s for the Dodgers was Eric Gagne. Okay, and if you want something to watch, go on YouTube. Watch Eric Gagne. There's a clip of Eric Gagne throwing 101 miles an hour and Bonds taking him yard. It's in a fantastic at-bat. Go watch that at-bat. Plus, Jeff, when uh, Barry Bonds <laughs> was at a game, uh, God, I forget which outfield it was here in California, but my cousin went to the game and he actually tried to chuck a battery at Barry Bonds. And wow. uh, when my aunt found out, he got a you-know-what whooping and uh, never happened again. But, yeah, my cousin as a little kid hated on Barry Bonds enough for all of us to la- last a lifetime. Uh, another guy that gets <laughs> a lot of hate, definitely. LeBron James last night finished off his 35th playoff series win in his career. It ties him with Tim Duncan for fourth all-time. The only players with more, and I roll my eyes because I know what's going to happen from Jeff Schwartz and Danny G. The other three guys and that have more than LeBron – Derek Fisher, Robert Ory, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They all have something in common. We'll leave it there. Final segment next. Outkick the coverage. Fox Sports Radio. Final segment here from the Geico Outkick Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Our like five-minute Barry Bonds break is over. We'll get we get back to the NBA, which we pretty much spent all morning discussing. I'm Jason Martin in for Clay. He's back tomorrow. I'm his executive producer at J Mart Outkick. Jeff Schwartz with me at G E O F F Schwartz on Twitter. If you want to follow him, Happy Memorial Day to you and yours. As we said off the top, today we celebrate, we honor those who fought for our freedom, that paid the ultimate price. And we're going to do it with fun in the sun, with relaxation, with our loved ones, with cookouts. And with escapes like Game 7 last night, Game 7 tonight, Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight as well. And as we enjoy and we revel in the freedom that we have here, thanks to those sacrifices, don't forget those sacrifices while you're smiling and while you're looking at your wives or your husbands or your children or your parents today enjoying a meal. Just remember what the cost of freedom truly is. Happy Memorial Day. We hope that you are wherever you are that you're enjoying it, and that you are remembering those that we've lost, those that paid the price, gave away their lives so that we could be free. LeBron James was incredible last night, as we discussed pretty much ad nauseum all morning. One stat that stands out, it was a little bit easier for him when you look at how bad the Celtics were, especially from distance, but this was a team that shot 34% last night overall, 29 of 85, just 17.9%, 7 for 39 from three. Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart combined to shoot three for 26 from distance, eight for 42 overall, 21 points. And the stat that I read earlier, over the last 20 years in the regular season and playoffs, 301 instances of a starting backcourt that attempted at least 23 pointers. Only one of those 301 backcourts were worse from three <laughs> than Terry Rozier and Jalen Brown were last night. That's all you need to say, Jeff. You're not going to beat LeBron James. LeBron James, you could have had him last night because you had so many open threes. The Cavs showed every bit of their 29th-ranked defense in the NBA. Rozier had open threes. Smart had open threes and didn't need to take as many, certainly as he did, as he was atrocious. Jalen Brown missed three or four 
in the first half that seemed like they could not possibly have been more open. The Celtics finally just couldn't make enough shots to win, and as a result, LeBron James wins his 35th playoff series, fourth all-time, ties him with Tim Duncan, and here we go again. Well, look, Smart only actually took four threes. It feels like more because I think he took a lot of them later in the game, and we've talked about this all, all game. Look, credit LeBron. He did a fantastic job of getting his team there. Jeff Green, I think, you know, it's we were looking for someone, if you're a Cavs fan or, or hoping the Cavs were going to pull this off, you were looking for someone to come up big tonight. I'm not even sure LeBron knew who that person would be. It ended up being Jeff Green, who shot 50% from the field. Uh, but again, I, I go back to this. Uh, look, I, I'm a big LeBron fan. I credit the Cavs for getting to this point. Getting to this point. Uh, but we said all day, look, Boston had open shots. They played like a young team but had not been here before. At home, 7-39 from three is not acceptable. Uh, when the Cavs score 87 points, I think you expect um, – the, the the Celtics to win at home and a team who had who had been undefeated at home in this situation a hundred I believe I was at hundred and four and twenty six the the home team heading yep. last night into Game Seven uh, and the Celtics are now you know one hundred four and twenty seven that leads me to believe tonight that the Rockets I I, I know you are big on the Warriors tonight yep. I just think the Rockets are, are are Chris Paul or not will will come out and give a good effort tonight whether they win or not. I don't know if they can win without Chris Paul, uh, but they will come out tonight and, and give great effort, and and I think the game is closer than, than most people believe. I'll gladly eat crow if the Rockets do it, but I think the Warriors win relatively easy tonight. I think Steph Curry goes off. If the Rockets are smart, they'll challenge him defensively and try to make it as difficult on him as possible. Still don't believe in Durant, but I think Draymond goes off tonight in everything other than the actual box score as a scorer. Danny, 10 seconds. Who wins tonight? Rockets. Rockets. I got the Warriors. We will address it tomorrow as Clay will be back. Happy Memorial Day. Enjoy it and have fun. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare (laughs) 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.